by how we see you. You are the King of Kings and the Lords of Lords. Today we honor you in this place. You are the reason why we are here today. It is because of your grace, your compassion, your mercy, and your unfailing love that we are what we are today. And we thank you for the sacrifice that produced the greatest truth inside of us that we can pick up our cross and follow you. Today, Lord Jesus, I pray that the deepest truth enters our hearts, that we can see you more and more in the way you created us to be. Amen. <clears throat> okay, who's ready for tonight? I'll try not to be long. Okay, I'd like to share or to be bright in here. <clears throat> I'd like to share, I share a dream that I had Saturday during the day. I was having a nap. I had a dream of the Lord and it was a beautiful one. For the last four weeks, I've been speaking about, can anyone remember? What have I been speaking about? The anointing, right? So I'll share how God confirms his word for me. <coughs> so Saturday during the day, I got taken in a dream to a mountain. And normally, normally when I get taken to a mountain in a dream, God wants to speak to me. Yes? Normally I would hear a voice. Or normally I'll hear a voice from a cloud. Sometimes I'll get thoughts in my mind of what God is trying to say. But this time he wrote me letters. And it was, it was such a beautiful experience. So as I was walking up on the mountain, a first letter appeared. And you know how you seal a letter? How you got that sticky stuff and you seal it? This letter was sealed with olive oil. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was sealed with olive oil. And the first letter that I opened, he told me not to be disappointed or not to be discouraged because he is with me. And this is a lesson for all of us here. King David said, even if I make my bed in Sheol, you are with me. And it's the truth. He's the God of every season, but He is with you. I've, I've been going through some things, but it was interesting how He sealed the first letter for me. He showed me that everything you're going through is to produce the anointing. It's no mistake. Why challenges comes, the crushing comes, the challenges comes, the trials comes, the discipline comes. It's to, it's to produce the anointing, but it comes at Gethsemane where they used to crush the olives. You get it? And he said to me that he's with me, not to be discouraged or disappointed. Meaning that everything you go through, it's to grow. But if Satan gets a hold of it, it turns into a grumbling, complaining, murmuring place. But God didn't design trials and challenges to be like that. God created trials and challenges to produce Christ's character in us. But if Satan gets a hold of it, it produces a stench. So then I heard the Holy Spirit tell me, walk to the next letter. I walked to the next letter and I, I had a mission. I was preaching in a hairdressing place. And the Holy Spirit was sharing so many things with me in the hairdressing place. 
that's like another fellowship that I go to to cut my hair. And um, so many salvations have happened there. I led them to the Lord by the grace of God. And I had a letter written that everything that I was speaking, God was putting that in my heart to speak. And he was showing me that in every place that he's put me, it's because of him. And it's a lesson for us here. This is not about me, what God's showing me. He showed me that all the places that he's put me is because of him. Then I got taken to then I got taken to the next letter. And the letter said, I'm coming soon. And it was sealed with oil. Every letter was sealed with oil. But look at the middle letter. The middle letter was that every, I'll take it back to the first one, every, every disappointment and challenge I got, it's to bear more fruit. Because put it this way, every challenge you go through or trial or circumstance, it's to further educate you in the spirit to comfort God's people. True? It is. There's no point speaking about something you've never gone through. How can you really comfort someone or how can you really speak from your heart? So he showed me that every trial and challenge I went through is to educate and refresh and help God's people. Then he took me to the place when I was in the hairdresser and two other missions where I was preaching. He showed me all the fruits, all the wisdom that he's given. Then he finished with, I'm coming soon. Then I got up to the last place, but this time, <laughs> it's interesting, I got to the last place and this time there's a watch. There was a watch there. And there was a stainless steel watch and there was, there was waters flushing in the watch. And, the, and it said the coming of the Lord and I was just about to look at the time, and my eyes got blurred. He didn't let me see. And the Bible says that. <laughs> no one will know the hour. We know the season, the coming of the Lord. He blurred my eyes. My eyes got blurred. I woke up, and they were still blurred, and they came back. So look at that. Just a bit of wisdom in this dream. Every challenge you go through, every trial you go through, is to reposition your focus so you can bear fruit. So when the Lord comes, there's no regret. You understand that? You get that? So every trial and challenge you go repositions your focus for the kingdom, repositions your true desire to serve God, and then at the coming of the Lord, we are, we are going to rejoice. Why? Because we served him to the end with no regret. Is anyone today ready to receive the Lord for his second coming? Someone who's immature, they'll say yes. But I say no. You know why? Because we haven't touched the surface of our true calling on earth. True? It is. I think the only person in the Bible was Paul. He said, I finished the race. I fought the good fight of faith. And it's true. But look at all the trials and challenges we go through. It's the what? It's to get your attention. Because the only way God can get to your attention is when things aren't going right. We begin to look up. We begin to open our hearts for him. We begin to change. God got my attention through pain. But he doesn't need to get my attention through pain anymore. Because my heart is his now. But it was interesting. The last letter, I'm coming soon. But look, look how I finished. The disappointment, the discouragement, 
was to lead me to more fruit. Each anointing is to produce more fruit. The last anointing in Jesus' life was to produce salvation. The last anointing in our life is to produce salvation of souls. Paul says, how can they be saved if they have not heard? And you begin to see that we are called to bring salvation to the world. You see the true heart of Jesus? The last anointing at Gethsemane was salvation. The last level of the anointing, not my will be done, but yours, was to produce salvation. The last anointing in our life is to produce salvation for the world. So every challenge you go through, God is trying to produce something. Don't miss that beat. So thank God I woke up so refreshed and so changed. But he's never written me, he's never written me letters sealed with oil. And it just goes to show me that I am hearing from the Holy Spirit clearly every week about the direction of the teaching. Because the anointing is to produce a Christ. It's to produce your will on earth. Okay, so the Holy Spirit led me here. Can I ask you the question? When it comes to your prayer life, how many people understand the area that God needs to focus on? Have you ever thought about that? What's the pattern of prayer in the Bible? You know, the Holy Spirit spoke to me about the different levels of prayer, from the levels of Jesus Christ to the levels of Paul, to the levels of Peter. He showed me the different levels of prayer. And you know what's interesting? Each one deals with something inside of you. It's interesting when only if you're led. When you begin to see the different patterns of your prayer life, you'll begin to see the order of God. And you know what's amazing about the different stages of prayer? It leads to your final destination on earth. You know what that means? Each prayer leads to you being a complete Christian, not lacking anything, and you're able to, com to operate in the full power of God, if I can say it like that. So, in your heart today, what do you think is the first prayer that we are required to pray? Because I have a saying, there are two major things in the Bible, how you read the Bible and how you pray. And imagine there's no clarity in this place. How can you truly identify where you are as a believer? Have you ever wondered as a believer where you stand in the level of your faith? You know faith has different levels? You know faith has different levels? You know how I know that? Jesus said, you of little faith and you of great faith. There are different levels of faith in the Bible. There are different levels of maturity in the Bible. There are different levels of growth in the Bible. And they're inscripted and they're hidden in the Bible for us to find that out. You know, it's interesting when you read those of little faith, God diagnoses the problem why people operate in a little faith. Then you see you of great faith, you see what was the trigger or what was the recipe for them to operate in that great faith. So today we're going to do something a bit different. 
and I normally don't preach like this, but I feel led just to give an outline of how we are to pray. And it's, it's, not, it's not how you get the words right. It's to identify where you are as a believer. You get that? It's not to get words right. It's to actually identify where you are as a believer. You know that our father prayer? It was to identify where you are as a believer. It's not about you praying that prayer every day. It's about identifying where you are. So let's have a look. We go to Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 16 to 17. <clears throat> now this is powerful because it gives you an understanding how to reach your destiny. Does anyone know how to reach their destiny as a believer? Does anyone know why prayer was designed by God? Ninety percent of the Christian life is designed for what? Prayer. And imagine you're not praying in the direction of the Holy Spirit. Just think about it. Because it's true. God doesn't hear every prayer. But there's a there's a frequency in the Bible that he does hear. And if you can get that frequency, you can capture growth. You can capture maturity. It's true. This has been the nagging question since I began my journey. Why can't everyone hear from the Holy Spirit? Has been my nagging question in my heart. Why? What is it? And God started to show me so many things. You become dull of hearing. Your character. Um, your unbelief. Your rebellion, living in the world, being part of the world, still operating in sin. There are many reasons why people can't hear the Holy Spirit today. But this gives an understanding of what the Holy Spirit's interested in when you begin to pray in the frequency of the Word of God. So let's have a look here. There are four stages here. In Ephesians chapter 1, and Ephesians chapter 3. There are two stages here and two stages in Ephesians chapter 3. Yeah, I want to go through them. Okay, so let's have a look here. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. You know, every prayer, every method of prayer from the Old Testament to the New Testament begins with what? Gratitude. It shows you your approach is crucial. But can I say it like this? Imagine you approaching God without gratitude. What's the real issue? What's the real issue from you approaching God without gratitude? Hardness of heart. And Paul talks a lot about, about the hardness of heart. Because anything, any prayer that does not approach God with thanksgiving makes God to be the reason why you're suffering. You listening? It, it becomes the true reason why Satan wants to get inside of your prayer. You attack God's character. The greatest, the greatest, the greatest way Satan can enter your prayer life is without thanksgiving. You know why? Because you actually begin to attack God in your prayer. Why am I going through this? God showed me Job's wife in the Old Testament. She is a typology of Satan entering your prayer life. Curse God and die. You see, the way we curse God today and die spiritually is when we begin to question God why we're going through these struggles or why we're going through these challenges. 
<clears throat> so it's interesting today. It's not about thank you, God. It's why you're not coming to him with gratitude, because you believe he's the reason behind your suffering. He's the reason behind your struggles. He's the reason behind you not growing. It's interesting, eh? Because when you show gratitude, you know that in every season God can change anything, but he's not the reason behind you suffering in any way. When you're tempted, you're tempted by your own desires that wage war against you. It's not God. So if Satan can enter your prayer life, and the greatest way we can see Satan entering people's prayer lives is they're, resent they're resentful, they're bitter, they're angry. And unfortunately, the first attack of our prayer life strikes God. Attacks God's character, attacks God's heart, attacks God's true meaning of who he is. It's true. When someone operates in bitterness or resentment, I don't know why I'm saying this, but if someone operates in bitterness or resentment, or they're stuck, the first thing we do, why God? But behind the why is, you're the reason why I'm going through this. So every prayer method in the Old Testament to the New Testament begins with, enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. That ushers the door for faith. It ushers the door for God to answer you. So I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now Paul, that's a true father. A true father of the faith, Paul was. He had a heart, praying to God for his people. But look what he was targeting here. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Now, why was prayer designed? To give you what you want? It was to make known Jesus in your life. You, you begin to see this differently, right? The whole point of prayer, have you ever thought about this? The whole point of prayer, why God, God designed prayer, was to see Jesus better. Was to know him greater. And that's the true saying of John when he said, I must decrease and he must increase. And it's true. When you see Jesus like this, naturally this happens. You're not forcing anything anymore. So look what he said here. I keep asking. Is it a one-off prayer? Is it a one-off prayer? That's why prayer was designed. To continuously see Jesus Christ in every season, in every situation, better. Now, that's the first stage. What is this here? This is a petition. This is a petition that we are to ask God for. To know him better through what? The spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, you'll see how this is in order and how I continue to read. So that you may know him better. That's the purpose of prayer. Now, next one. He's praying again now. We're up to the second prayer now. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people. Now what's this speaking about here? It's speaking about the will of God now. So what's the first step you need to focus on now? the spirit of wisdom and revelation, to know him better. Number two, he's speaking about here, he's talking about the will of God, the will of God on earth that he's called you to do. 
the inheritance in his people. What's the inheritance? He's talking about the rewards of how you operate on earth and what you receive in heaven. So the first stage is what? The spirit of wisdom and revelation to know Jesus better. Number two, your prayer life. Naturally, after you know him, naturally it leads to you beginning to understand of what he has called you to be. And put it this way, when you begin to understand what he's called you to be on earth, naturally your life begins to decrease. The will of God begins to get birthed inside of you. So look why prayer was designed. Prayer was designed for what? You go to the Our Father prayer, Thy kingdom come, your will be done. Look, pray how we, look how Paul is praying in line with the Our Father prayer. Nothing's changed. I pray that the eyes of your spirit may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people. That's the second prayer. Next one. And his incomparable great power for us who believe, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So you begin to see the two methods of prayer here. One was to see Jesus like you've never seen him before. And is that a one-off thing? No, that's your prayer or that's your heart's desire every day. I keep asking, meaning it has to continuously get fulfilled and refreshed in you. Meaning you're not going to see him how I used to see him a week ago or a month ago or a year ago. It increases more and more. So that's the first two levels of prayer. Is to know him better, which naturally leads you into the Father's will. Naturally. When you know Jesus better, naturally you know that I have to begin to fulfill my calling on earth. You see how prayer starts to get positioned with the kingdom of God and the Holy Spirit? You start to see, I've wasted all this time praying for things that are not of God. <laughs> I'm going to show you the treasures of prayer from the different letters. And you're beginning to say, well, my focus needs to get redirected. And that's what the Holy Spirit's doing, redirecting your prayer life. Because there is one thing that the Father wanted to give us. Does anyone know what it is? It was the Father's desire to give us what? The Holy Spirit. Make no mistake. Why was the Holy Spirit given? For the work and the ministry of the kingdom of God. To seek and save the lost, baptize the name of the Father, the Son, and to lead people to Jesus Christ. Have you ever questioned yourself, why am I not bearing the true fruit of Christ? Why aren't I seeing the benefits that come from the kingdom of God? You begin to see and question in your own life. And wait until I show you the highest level of prayer that God loves the most. It's the greatest form of humility you ever hear from the Bible. When you begin to see the greatest prayer that God loves the most, you say, well, I bow down. Change me, Lord. <clears throat> because the, the highest level of prayer, there's no one there. And Jesus went there many times, but he left us a treasure for us to feed on.
So let's get to the second stage now. Ephesians chapter chapter 3. Now, this is the third stage of our prayer life. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16. He's praying again now. He's praying for the church of Ephesus. Look what he's praying. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now, isn't that interesting? You know what the word inner being means? It means your heart and your conscience. It's one of the greatest and most important areas. Ephesians chapter 1, about you may know Jesus better, leads to understanding the Father's will, but you haven't possessed it yet. He has to do this work in you. He's allowing you to shift your focus. So here it says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power, through his spirit, in your inner being. Now, what was the, can we go back there? What was the petition here? And what was the purpose of his prayer? His petition was, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power, through his spirit in your inner being. What was the purpose of his prayer here? To be strengthened in your inner being. Now look where it leads now. We go to the next one. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He's praying again now. Isn't it interesting why Paul keeps saying, I pray and I pray. He's showing you the levels of where you are in faith and what you need to aim for in the next level. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Why does it say here, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith? Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Now, isn't it interesting when he talks about faith, but the greatest of them is love. What holds faith? Love of God. Can I say something with you? Why people's faith keeps stalling in their life? It's because it's not held by the love of God. And you know what that means? You haven't understood the power of the cross and what Jesus truly done for you. That's why people's faith keeps stalling or keeps, keeps at a standstill or it keeps backsliding. It's because it's not held by love. Have you ever thought about that? He's showing you here what holds faith. It's the love of God. The greatest key in the gospel is the love. Now look where it leads. It's interesting here. And I pray that you've been rooted and established in love. Why? Why? Why is he saying this here? You know, when you read Ephesians 4... Ephesians 4, speaking about spiritual gifts. It's speaking about operating in the kingdom now. But imagine you go before this process and you try to enter into the gifts, into operating in the kingdom and love is not there. You get destroyed. You can't stand. Offense comes, attacks come, persecution comes. And if love is not there, it cannot protect you. You can't be protected. That's why 
be in no rush to go after the gifts without establishing your inner self and establishing the true love of God in your heart. Be in no rush because your vehicle will stall. Okay. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Now stop there one second. Now the two prayers that I said about before are what? They're personal, dealing with you or your heart, your vision, your eyes. Now he's talking about cooperating in the church. Now he's showing you now that the, that the, the level of maturity or the true level of Prayer life, it's for you to operate as a whole body. But isn't it interesting that it's in the same verse of the love of God? You can't be together or you can't operate together if love is not present. You can operate by yourself, but you can't operate as a body if love is not holding each heart together. Because imagine the head, Jesus says he is the head over every church, right? Imagine the head only coming upon the hand. The body will be deformed. He has to rest upon the whole body. And that's why the, the, the true reason why Christ's head is not resting on the church today, it's because love is not present. And Paul addressed it so many times. There is jealousy. One says, I follow this person. One follows, I'm seeking this person. And he said, did Paul die for you? Did Apollos die for you? And he begins to tell you. But it's interesting. The first two prayers is speaking about you, your heart, your eyes. Then the second prayer, he's talking to a church. Okay, now let's work together as a whole. Stop being selfish. Stop being immature. Stop backbiting, attacking each other. And that's when maturity comes inside the church. So the first two prayers speaks about your personal growth, your inner being, your eyes. Then the true love of maturity speaks about how a church can work together. You know, when I prayed, I prayed when when we joined, um, me and Pastor Tony, we joined together. I prayed and I said, Lord, I started my journey alone. And I shared this heart with you. It's not about me or him. I said, Lord, I'm scared. I started my journey alone and I've never opened my heart to anyone else. Though, though I had no issue with doing that, he said to me this comment. He said to me, if you can keep everyone together, I'll promise what I gave you. Isn't that interesting that God blesses unity? But what holds unity together? Love. It's not, it's not for the sake of we can gather in a whole circle. Everyone has an issue inside their heart. Now it's interesting here. It says, may have power together. Now look at this. What do you mean? Power together is showing now that power is going to come upon unity. Power is going to come where everyone's operating in the different kinds of gifts that come from the Holy Spirit. But what's the process? What's the process? That you may know Him better, that you may know the inheritance of the saints, that you may know the Father's will. What is the Father's will? Having a heart for the people. Having a sympathy, a compassion, a mercy, and a love for those who are lost. And then the love comes, and then the unity comes. Now look what it says here. May have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Next, please. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What is the fullness of God? His love. What is the fullness of God? 
when a body is working together. That is the fullness of God. The greatest, the greatest way when Jesus truly comes for his bride is when he sees his body working together. Out goes pride, out goes me or I, and in comes the head that can rest on the whole body. What, how does God see true maturity, maturity upon the body? When the gathering of all the saints, we are truly understood the true love of God, what happens? The fullness of God enters the church. Now, interesting. Have you ever seen yourself heading this direction? We can get the first two right. We may know Jesus better. We may understand the Father's will. Then he enters into the next place, your inner being. Your inner being for what? So you can serve every member and for Christ's head to rest on you. Next, please. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. What was the greatest prayer here? What is the greatest level of maturity that Jesus sees the fullness of God in a body today? When we are working together. And how can we work together when the love of God has entered every heart and there's no more pride, ego, selfishness, I or me? God sees the fullness of God inside of a church. Now today, it's different. It's coming in dribs and drabs, in one or two people or three people or whatever it is. But that's how God sees the fullness of God in his bride. So you begin to see the levels of your prayer life. Number one, I'll quickly go through this. Oh, actually, I'll, I'll go through it quickly. So the first petition is the spirit of wisdom and revelation for those who are taking notes. The first petition is spirit of wisdom and revelation deals with you personally, to know him better, personally. Number two, the second prayer Paul prayed was his glorious riches. He may strengthen you with power through his spirit. For inner strength, that's personal. Number three, he starts to deal with the church. Grasp how wide and love and high and deep is the love of Christ. That's personal and for the church. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, that's for the church to become full. Now it's interesting because Ephesians 4 answers how you begin to grow in this place. We read it. The next chapter. We go to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm reading it in the Amplified Version. So let's read this all here. Now isn't it interesting? Paul lays a foundation for your petition and the purpose of prayer, then he shows you what the whole thing means. Please read this slowly. Take your time. So Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3, Paul ramps up what true prayer is and what the true purpose of prayer is. Then he gives you the answer here in the whole chapter. And I'm going to read it slowly and I'm going to close off. He says, Sir, I, the prisoner for the Lord, appeal to you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, that is, to live a life that exhibits godly character, moral courage, personal integrity, and mature behavior. What's the greatest level? Maturity. What is maturity? When the church, the true bride of Christ, are working together. Make no mistake. A life that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation. With all humility, forsaking self-righteousness 
and gentleness and maintaining self-control with patience, bearing with another in unselfish love. Now, isn't that interesting? The whole purpose of prayer, the whole petition of prayer and purpose of prayer was to get you to this place. Next, please. Make every effort to keep the oneness of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Each individual working together to make the whole successful. There is one body of believers and one Spirit. Just as you are called to one hope when called to salvation. Now you begin to see where he's directing now. He's, work, he's saying that every member of the body of Christ has to work together to keep the peace and the unity of the Spirit. But the first two prayers is about you. To produce what? Love. Then you can come into the body and you can begin to serve each other. Now, are we here yet? No. We need to work on our hearts. There is one body of believers and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when called to salvation, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is sovereign over all and working through all, living in all. Yet grace, God's undeserved favor, was given to each one of us, not indiscriminately, but in different ways. In proportion to the measure of Christ's rich and abundant gifts. Now look what, it's, look what he's talking about now. Your prayer, two prayers to know Christ better, to deal with your inner self, then the love, then come in the body, then the last one is operating in the gifts. Isn't that interesting? That Paul is in no rush to promote anyone to operate in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that a lesson for the body today? That we are to go after character more than the power. It's so interesting because he's showing, he's, he's showing us that love would protect the gift. Character will protect your gift. And I'm not to here to withhold or prevent anyone from operating in this power, but it will come, but it must fall on the right heart. Yet grace, God's undeserved favor, was given to each one of us, not indiscriminately, but in different ways, in proportion to the measure of Christ, rich and abundant gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he bestowed gifts on men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean? Except that he also had previously descended from the heights of heaven in the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is the very same as he who also has ascended high above all the heavens, that he, his presence, might fill all things, that is the whole universe. And his gifts to the church were varied, varied, and he himself appointed some as apostles, special messengers, representatives, some as prophets who speak a new message from God to people, some as evangelists who spread the good news of salvation, and some as pastors and teachers to shepherd and guide and to instruct. And he did this to fully equip and perfect the saints, God's people, for works of service. Now every prayer is to lead you to which place? that every member in the body is serving God's will. And isn't that interesting? Where the Holy Spirit led Pastor Tony and where the Holy Spirit led me in this teaching. Isn't that interesting? But the last one is the gifts. The first one, the second one, the third one, the fourth one. All this work leads you to selfless love for you to serve. To shepherd and guide and instruct, and he did this. He did this 
to fully equip and perfect the saints, God's people for work of service, to build up the body, Christ the church. Now let's keep going. Until we all reach oneness in the faith. Now isn't that interesting that we are, we are moving to the greatest level of faith. What is the greatest level of faith? That we work together in maturity to serve each other and God's will. Until we all reach oneness in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, growing spiritually to become a mature believer, reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ, manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity. Now this is when it gets more directing now. So that we are no longer children, spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine, by the cunning and trickery of our unscrupulous men, by the deceitful scheming of people ready to do anything for personal profit. Next one. But this is the key now. He shows you out of the Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, this is the key that promotes growth. Yeah. But speaking the truth in love, in all things, both our speech and our lives, expressing his truth, let us grow up in all things into him, following his example, who is the head Christ. Now, this is how he tells you how to grow. What is that? The truth and love. This is what promises from God to cause you to grow. Now, this is up to you, but this is how God sees you growing. Isn't that interesting? Let us grow up in all things into him, following his example, who is the head, Christ. For him, the whole body, the church, in all its various parts, joined and knitted firmly together by what every joint supplies, when every part is working properly, causes the body to grow and mature, building itself up in unselfish love. Now he's showing you here how a believer matures and how a church matures. Two stages here, a believer and a church. Now we are a church by the grace of God. And it's not, no more about a person. It's about us moving together in the way of the Spirit. So this I say, now this is, remember, all the conditions and all the blessings, now comes the warning. So this I say, and solemnly affirm together with the Lord as in his presence, that you must no longer live as the unbelieving Gentiles live, in the futility of their minds, and in the foolishness and emptiness of their souls. For their moral understanding is darkened, and their reasoning is clouded. They are alienated and self-banished from the life of God with no share in it. This is because of the willful ignorance and spiritual blindness that is deep-seated within them. Because of the hardness and insensitivity. <laughs> Insensitivity of the heart. <laughs> okay, it's all right. Take it easy. And they, the ungodly in their spiritual apathy, having become callous and unfeeling, have given themselves over as prey to unbridled sensuality, eagerly craving the practice of every kind of impurity that their desire may demand. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if in fact you have really heard him and have been taught by him. Just as the truth in Jesus revealed in his life and personified in him. That regarding your previous way of life, you put off your old self, completely discard your former nature, 
which is being corrupted through the deceitful desires and be continually renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh, untarnished mental and spiritual attitude and put on a new self, the regenerated and renewed nature created in God's image, God-like, in the, in the righteousness and holiness of tr the truth, living in a way that expresses to God your gratitude for your salvation. Now this here, can I go back there? This here is showing you why so many people do not get promoted in the kingdom of God. Paul shows you the conditions, the blessings, and he shows you what willful ignorance and a, hard, and a hardness of heart produces. Keeps you serving sin, keep you serving the flesh, keep you serving Satan, keeps you serving the world. And this is the warning why so many people cannot mature into this place. Therefore, rejecting all falsehood, whether lying, defrauding, telling half-truths, spreading rumors, any such as these. Speak truth in each one with his neighbor, for we are all parts of another one another, and we are all parts of the body of Christ. Be angry and sin at immorality and injustice at ungodly behavior, yet do not sin. Do not let your anger cause you to shame, nor allow it to. Last, until the sun goes down, and do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge, or nurturing anger, or harboring resentment, or cultivating bitterness. The thief who has become a believer must no longer steal, but instead he must work hard, making an honest living, producing that which is good with his own hands, so that he will have something to share with those in need. Now isn't it interesting here that he, Paul shows us here why we are to get, get a job, not, not for the stealing, but why we are to get a job and to, to help those who are in need. Okay. Do not let unwholesome, foul, profound, worthless, vulgar words ever come out of your mouth, but only such speech as is good for building up others, according to the need of the occasion, so that it will be a blessing to those who hear you speak. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now he's showing you all those things that I just read is how you grieve the Holy Spirit. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but seek to please him, by whom you were sealed and marked, branded as God's own for the day of redemption, the final deliverance from the consequences of sin, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, perpetual amnesty, resentful, strife, fault-finding and slander be put away, along with every kind of malice or spitefulness, verbal abuse, malevolence, be kind and helpful to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another, Readily and freely, just as Christ in God forgave you. So you begin to see, I didn't, want to, I didn't want to read all those scriptures, but I just wanted to show you the levels of prayer and what it actually produces. And this is the warning. Those two pages or the three pages I just read, why people do not enter into that place. So begin to think about what I said today, because it is the truth. And it shows you how to, how to understand where you are spiritually and understand where the Holy Spirit is working in your life. Because it is the truth. If there's anything that I want to know about my own journey is to know where I am spiritually so I can focus on that area. But you begin to see Paul addresses the believer first, then he addresses the church. And lastly, he allows you to operate in the power of God. But till that place, the true love of God has to be formed inside of you. So in the coming weeks, by the grace of God, I'm going to speak about the different levels of prayer and what they are designed to do inside of you. And you're going to begin to see Okay, me as a believer, have I understood this? Am I working in this area? Am I praying in the direction of the Holy Spirit? And your journey will begin to kickstart. Amen? All right, let's pray.
I really wanted to lay a foundation about the levels of prayer and the levels of maturity. The most beautiful place, the most beautiful place for a believer is to know that he's continuously being led by the Holy Spirit for direction for him to grow in his journey with Christ. The worst feeling is not knowing where you're going as a believer. Isn't that right? There is no Worse feeling in you being a believer and have lost sense of direction. And I believe that people lose sense of direction is because they haven't understood the process. When you don't understand the process, then you can easily be discouraged. You can easily lose sense of direction. And I believe that the greatest, the greatest way to understand what God is doing in you and where God needs to take you is to have an understanding of where he's taking you. And I believe from this direction through the scriptures, you can begin to see where you are spiritually. And you can also begin to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in, the, in where you stand in the level of your faith. Meaning not to bypass any process or procedure of where God is working. So let's begin to pray. We thank you, Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ. We give you all the glory, Lord, and we thank you for giving us understanding in how we can locate where we are spiritually in our journey with you. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name today that we may speak the truth in love, that we may grow in the sight of you and please you, because that's who we truly are. Father, we worship you and we give you all the glory. Thank you for all that you have done and all that you have given us. But my prayer today, Lord, is for us as a church that we may grow in the love of God. I pray for your love to enter this place. Your love to fill our hearts that we may see the love of Christ in, your, in each other's hearts. Thank you, Lord. I pray that your love enters each one of our hearts that we may have the true love of Christ for our brothers and sisters. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. It's a love that surpasses all knowledge. And I pray for this love divinely to be birthed in us. Thank you. We honor you, Lord. And we love you. I pray today, Lord, that you prepare us personally and prepare us as a church that we may walk truthfully with you. Thank you. We love you so much. I thank you for all you've done in this place. To you belongs all the glory. Amen.
Amen.